When you think of great duos, who do you think of? Jordan and Pippen or LeBron and Dwayne Wade. I mean, I talk about basketball a lot here on this podcast, but for the Barcelona version, there's PK and Puyol or PK and Mascherano or the easy example of Xavi and Iniesta. And as you can hear from my voice, the perfect teammates aren't just professional athletes. It's cold season. I guess the flu and cold medicine, perfect teammates as well. But in this case, when it comes to growing your business, that's you and Shopify. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. To be honest, I've been doing this show long enough. And as I mentioned, it's cold and flu season. You hear it in my voice, especially during the holiday season. So whenever it comes to this business, anything that I can set up and kind of have working in the background that I know and can trust is just plugging along without my attention. Those are the things that I really value at this point. So when my brain is foggy, all I can do is manage to turn on the microphone, talk to the guest, or just talk to myself and get out a piece of content. Everything else, having that all automated or working in the background, that's been important to keeping me sane. And that's the thing about something like Shopify. What I do love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. So no matter how big or small, how good of a month or how bad of a month, things are just the same working in the background. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is a global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs on every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tbpod, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash tbpod now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash tbpod. Welcome back. This is the Barcelona Podcast, brought to you by Frances Tomas, as seen on ESPN and Barca Blog, and myself, Dan Hilton, from the Barca Blog team. We're delighted you're here as usual, but if you're tuning in today, you know exactly what you're tuning in for. We've got an El Clasico review, as well as the big signing of Paulinho, Brazilian midfielders. This show brought to you today by bettingtipsforyou.com. They are the show sponsor today. We're excited to have them around where you can go for, of course, bettingtipsforyou.com. Makes a lot of sense. They're obviously giving betting tips to you, and they also have links to live streaming on their website as well. We want to thank them for sponsoring the show today, as I mentioned, a show with El Clasico and Paulinho. And usually, Frances, I let you introduce the topics, but I think our listeners already know what we're going to talk about. The question I have to ask you is, are we going to start with being negative, or are we going to start with being positive? We're going to try and be honest, man. Um, there's a very high chance that at some point today we're going to have to get negative because um, let's just say that the situation at the club is not the best at this moment in time. And um, as long as we're honest with ourselves, we're honest with our listeners, then negativity, positivity will come naturally. So let's get started. You mentioned what we're going to start to do now that we've got games on. Even if the games are lost, they're still games. And that's an exciting time to be a Barcelona fan and particularly when that game, the most exciting game of all in world soccer, El Clasico, is going on. Barcelona, we don't need to tell you, the listeners, they failed against Real Madrid to get a victory in the first leg of the Spanish Super Cup. 
And there's a number of things to break down with this, Frances. And as I was watching this, going minute by minute, pausing, rewinding, rewatching, doing different things, I basically started slotting players into had a good game, there are positives to take away, and negatives to take away. And so we can either start with players that I thought struggled, whether it was Gerard Delafeu, whether it was Gerard Piquet, of course. I thought Alexi Vidal struggled at times. Or we could go with the players who I thought had pretty positive showings, whether it was Samuel Umtiti, Marc-Andre Ter Stegen, or even Denis Suarez, who came on in the second half. So, uh, Frances, I- I'm wondering the way you want to take this. I think we can do that. I think if you've done an analysis player by player, you can go ahead. Um, I was thinking more of a general sort of feeling of the game. But, yeah, no, go ahead and... Uh, see what your thoughts are, and then we can bounce back off each other. Yeah, so I'll start with some of the points I have, and then we'll, yeah, then we'll broaden it out. We can start all the way in the first minute. I said Marc-Andre Ter Stegen had a pretty good game, I'd say, even though he let in three goals, and the two to Cristiano Ronaldo and Asensio out on the break in the second half, the counterattack, probably shouldn't have been beat on the near post, but they were hit with a lot of force, and those are shots that those guys can make on the training pitch regularly, and so Ter Stegen had some to do, and he wasn't up to the task, but overall, I think Ter Stegen was solid. However, as I was about to mention in the first minute, a giveaway from Ter Stegen, because of the Real Madrid pressure, it set the early tempo of the game where Real Madrid was able to take, not possession, but they were able to enact their will on Barcelona's back line. And you saw so many passes between Piquet and Umtiti and Ter Stegen passing around, trying to find those holes, trying to find those gaps. And so in the very first minute, Ter Stegen kind of set the course of what you were going to see where for in the first five minutes, Alexi Vidal also gives it away right near the penalty box to, I believe, Marcelo, where Karim and Benzema was in on the attack as well. And Real Madrid just got off on a good foot. and It didn't look good for Barcelona. But then the offense started to pick up. Luis Suarez, Nesson in the 10th minute, brings the ball down, takes a shot from a wide angle. And while it was a difficult angle, it was a good first touch by Luis Suarez. And he looked like in the post-Neymar time of just that a two-pronged, attack force of Luis Suarez and Lionel Messi because Barcelona was playing a 4-3-3 when they were attacking, but then Delafeu was tucking in and and bringing, and coming a, a bit deeper to be in a 4-4-2 defensively. And then when they went out on the break, I said they moved back into the, the 3-3 in the midfield and the attack. And we saw that where even Delafeu, though, with his speed, you saw what he was trying to utilize. And I was fortunate and hopeful early on that he was called offsides twice in the first 15 minutes, first time being incorrect. And we can talk about the officials and how they played in this game in a bit. But then the second time, he just kind of needed to figure out his timing. And that was a correct call. He was offsides. And for a young player like him in his first, we'll say, official game with Barcelona, you just have to think that Delafeu is getting used to playing with Messi and playing with Iniesta. And I know their passes are so good, but that timing has to be worked out because Barcelona... And particularly with Iniesta, it's just going to play at a faster pace, I think, than a lot of the midfielders that Delafeu is used to. And so you just have to get that timing down. That said, Delafeu on his own, though, struggled on the counterattack. He struggled with his decision-making in the first half, and he struggled with his crossing. And all those three things are pretty individual, where whether or not you go at a guy and see a teammate and find that teammate... Uh, on the counterattack, the teammates are basically going to run those channels, and so you have to get your head up, and that was something where Delafeu really did struggle, and we saw when Denis Suarez came on that Denis Suarez had 
a much more presence of mind on that left side to help the attack and help facilitate some things. So the interesting thing to me was you could see the frustration happening with the players, where Denise Suarez, I thought, was having one of his better games that I've seen recently, even at the second half of last year. But Luis Suarez was furious at times because Denise Suarez was when he took the shot, which I thought for Denise Suarez is a, a good bit of confidence, and yet Luis Suarez was all upset because Luis Suarez probably was open, but with the proximity he was to the center backs, it, it would have been a difficult pass anyway, and Luis Suarez was going to have to do something pretty special with it. So I, I think overall, where Barcelona had those good points, they just they couldn't capitalize on them, and then the bigger issue is, of course, what happens when Real Madrid counterattacks. Isco was absolutely phenomenal, and I think a, a bigger theme from this game, at least, was you saw, whether it was Asensio, whether it's Isco, you saw with the harbinger of Paulinho, you saw all those players at Barcelona potentially could have had that Real Madrid took from them. And Isco was fantastic in this game. And you saw that Barcelona didn't have an Isco and Real Madrid did. And that was a major difference on the counterattack. I would have said that the game clearly showed that Real Madrid are a step ahead of Barca right now. Uh, they're the current European champions. They're the current league champions. Fair enough. There wasn't a huge difference in La Liga last year. It was a matter of three points and it came to the, to the final two games. Um, having said that, it was a Supercopa game. The Supercopa is not that important at all, as we said in our previous podcast. And obviously, whoever wins the title is going to say that the importance of the title is, is better or major. Um, whoever loses it is not really going to say that it matters that much at all. Um, that said, it is clear that Real Madrid are ahead and Barca have a lot of homework to do. Um, the board hasn't been doing a great job at signing players, and uh, we're going to spend the second half of our podcast talking about Paulinho at length, and um, because that's a very contentious matter at this moment in time, and uh, Kules wants us to talk about that, and we definitely will in a minute. Um, but having said that, the players that played yesterday, they have been in the club for a lot of years. Let's not forget that the starting eleven had pretty much every player that started in the ideal team last season, and uh, Alex Vidal started at right-back. And then we had Deulofeu uh, instead of Neymar, who decided to chase money at PSG this summer, as we all know. Um, having said that, right, um, you've got Jordi Alba excelled. I think he was probably our best player. He was zooming up and down like there's no tomorrow like he, he used to do. So that is a positive to take out of the team. I thought Messi was quite switched on from the start. But as I sort of anticipated in our previous podcast, not having someone marking Neymar or the left winger, with that sort of amount of pressure meant that they could triple team and team Messi much more often. And uh, he found it harder to move around. I thought Luis Suarez up front looked a little bit, not lost, because um, obviously he definitely knows what he's doing, but he's lacking one key collaborator up front. So, you know, when Delofeo was into positions of ad advantage that, you know, passing to the space would have freed him. I don't think that uh, Messi or Suarez sort of saw it as a confident sort of option, as a trustworthy option, and they decided not to pull the pass. So I think the, the front of the team does need some work and it definitely needs a sign-in. Obviously, Dembele is um, the most possible option at this moment in time, and I really do think that that would be an option. But um, coming back to the game, Madrid did outplay Barca, and they were clearly superior to us. Um, obviously, no one wants to score an own goal. And out of all players, you don't want to score an own goal against Madrid. That's Piquet. But hey, things happen. I really do think that the board needs to bring a couple of signings uh, in the next two weeks. Because otherwise, um, the, the season may not be as great as we all expect it to be. And Luis Suarez, he kind of fit in both those categories for me. 
where he had bright spots and he also had very negative spots. And I thought that was how Gerard Piquet was as well. But I think in this game, Delefeu and Vidal being the two new guys in that starting 11 were the two who I think were under the microscope. And I don't think either of them really passed the test where Delefeu, as I said, he was outperformed by Denis Suarez and Delefeu just didn't impress in the time that he was out there. So, Frances, I'm kind of divided on whether or not it's the fact that Delefeu just needs more time or it's that he isn't quality. And Vidal is kind of the same way, where Vidal, he had bright spots, but he also had some pretty rough moments. When you look at the Ronaldo goals and Asensio goals, what side of the field did they come down on? They came down on the right side. And you saw in the Ronaldo goal that Vidal just, he had gotten a part of the tack, but he wasn't backtracking at the speed and with the veracity that he could have put more pressure on Ronaldo from behind. And so Ronaldo, all he had to do was cut it on PK, and PK was dead to right. So then Asensio did the exact same thing, except Asensio hit it with his left foot and had a little more help from the bottom of the crossbar. But Vidal just has to do more defensively on those plays. And that brings up the bigger question is on the counterattack, clearly Barcelona was was going toe-to-toe with Real Madrid with the exception of Real Madrid on the counterattack. And as you had mentioned, and we'll, we have a fan question later in the show to answer this as well, we can give a lot of credit to Real Madrid because they deserve a lot of credit for the way they're playing. And they're, as you and I have admitted, they're the best team in the world right now. But our job as host of this podcast and for you, the listeners, is to try to figure out how Barcelona can get back to the level of Real Madrid and get back to being the best team in the world. I think problem number one is stopping the counterattack. And right now with the personnel they have, I I don't know how that happens. I think bringing Valverde this summer is going to help the team. Um, I would have said that there hasn't really been enough time for Valverde to really sort of get his mechanism, his philosophy, and his, let's just say, his persona within the dressing room yet. Um, players need to believe in the coach and the coach needs to be clear on his messages. And uh, there's been a lot of work going on this summer already for that to be established. I really do think that in three, four months' time, Barca will be in a far better position simply because of the time that the manager would have had with the squad in order to get his his thoughts his um, aspirations in the players' minds. And also respect comes two ways, and that is something that is being built. Um, in terms of um, you know Suarez and Delufeo, with all due respect, I don't think either of them should have been have the quality to be a Barca starter right now this season. You know, I think Delufeo could do a great job coming off the bench, as he has done traditionally when he's been loaned out. Um, he was starting more games at Milan, but where he was at Everton, um, he was probably and most, most of the time, he was certainly uh, sort of second half uh, revulsivo. He was an um, impact player coming out in the second half. So I really do think that Raul Lefeu this season, that is the role he needs to play. And the board needs to invest heavily in bringing Dembele or whoever they can sign. I would say Griezmann or Dybala, the other two options. But um, I wouldn't have thought they are, they are possible this summer. So spending heavily on that has to be an option. Um, as for Vidal... No, he didn't have a great game at all. But uh, I think he knows that. I think the players in the squad know that. And the manager certainly knows that as well. So it's all about instilling confidence. It's all about sort of going back to the dressing room and the video room and, and watching uh, what went wrong and how to fix it. And let's not forget, we've invested quite heavily this summer as well in being, bringing Nelson Semedo, which I would say in the next month or two months has to be the starter ahead of Vidal. And uh, whatever happened yesterday... Um, everyone has seen and we need to work forward and we need to work intensively in order to move forward and and find the solutions. Semedo should be the starter 
in the not too distant future. But having Vidal pushing for the starting spot uh, or one pushing the other is only going to be meaning that the, cl the club, the team as a whole is going to get better. So things are to come. We're only in August and uh, expecting us to be better than Madrid at this moment in time, considering that they just played the Supercopa and won earlier in the week. Um, it just hasn't happened and we need to accept that and move forward. But what we cannot do is just believe that everyone in the club needs to be burnt and you know give up at this moment. It's a long, long season. We haven't really started yet and we need to keep our heads up, learn from mistakes and then see what the future brings. After one game, of course, you don't break everything down. You don't change formations or do anything drastic. But as far as match-to-match -match and minute-to-minute -minute tactics, when Real Madrid is out on the counter like that, after the Ronaldo goal, if Valverde, and of course he's going to get used to putting his imprint on the club and the philosophies, but tactically, if you have to make a change in that situation, what happens in that situation where we know how Barcelona play their offense and get into the attacking third and bring in numbers and things like that, but with how good so many clubs in the world are right now with counterattacking, which is not the way that Barcelona plays, and we saw with Delefeu and Neymar, of course, last year and Messi, that when the game opened up, that Barcelona had the individual talent with Messi, with Suarez, now with even Delefeu, that they can beat you on the counterattack, but it's not going to happen, and their team isn't built defensively like that to be doing it as often as a Real Madrid does, as, as much as a Chelsea does, or some of those other world powers, or even now PSG, the way they're made up. So for Barcelona, tactically, when you're against a team as good as Real Madrid, because as, as we were talking about the season being long, against Malaga... Barcelona won't have to worry about a strong counterattack like that where they can beat you one-on-one. -on -one. When they're playing against most of the competition in La Liga, when they're playing in most of the teams against in the Copa del Rey, um, other than Atletico Madrid and Real Madrid, and when they're playing even in the Champions League in the group stages, they're not going to be playing against teams with that kind of attacking power on the counterattack. So when you're playing against the top of the top, Frances, do you play a little differently? Do you have Sergi Busquets? play a little bit deeper and just kind of stay much closer to those two center backs than get as involved as he was in, in the attack. Where you look at, while it was a bright moment in the game in the second half, Denise Suarez has this really, really good touch in the box, masterclass touch in the 73rd minute. He brings the ball down, cuts through two, and then gets the ball to Sergio Busquets, and Busquets just skies it right over. And then Denise Suarez, you could argue, also had a penalty on the play as well. So I was really impressed. Even with that, just that one sequence was enough for me to give him a few more substitute appearances and make him one of the first guys off the bench. Nevertheless, back to the point, is that Sergio Busquets was so far forward and there didn't seem to be anyone who took that place behind him, whether it was Rakitic or Iniesta. No one moved into that Busquets space. So if Busquets hadn't skied that over and had completely missed the ball, then Real Madrid is back on the counterattack. And then the other option would be bring those right backs in and make them play a little bit closer to home. But as you talked about, Danny Alves and Jordi Alba, that's not the philosophy. And now Alexa Vidal trying to be Danny Alves in that position in that attack where they, they're so far up the field that when you have the kind of speed and individual prowess that Real Madrid have, you're going to get beat behind. So when you play those big teams, do you go a little bit away from your philosophy and just bring those right backs a little bit closer to home and not have them push so far near the corners? I would say no. I would say you have to be truthful to who you are. And Barca are an attacking team that has possession at the center and at the core of what we do and what we are. And that's a footballing 
proposal. So no, we don't go away from that. We just do it better. I would say the ball needs to flow much quicker. Um, people need to be much more mobile. If you realize yesterday, whenever Sebus gets had the ball, you had Iniesta moving a little bit to the side. But I would say mobility was lacking. It was At times it was as if players didn't really necessarily want the ball. So I think when you are more mobile and you, then you generate spaces, when spaces are generated, then you keep the rival defense guessing. Um, your point about Busquets going forward, that can happen, you know, and Busquets should have scored um, that, <laughs> that terrible shot that he sent to the third stand. But hey, things happen, you know, you can't can be perfect all the time. Um, but whenever Busquets goes up, that is Rakitic's job to cover. Um, if you think about it, in the midfield triangle at Barca, you've got Busquets at the back and the two interiors, one in each side. But um, in terms of defense, you've got Iniesta, which is freer from it, and Rakitic is the one that whenever someone else is someone else pushes up, so say Semedo or Vidal or Dani Alves, how it used to be, pushing forward, then uh, Rakitic sort of drifts to the right a little bit and covers a fullback position. If Busquets goes, he needs to cover at centre midfielder position. That's that's what I was talking about. I always say about mechanisms, don't I? That's what I mean. You know, there are things that are not really written in every football book. But um, once you play football for a lot of years, and I can't claim that I have. I mean, I've played football for 20 years, but I never sort of played at Barca level. But, you know, people in my family have. Um, that is the mechanisms that you learn in La Masia. And that is something that comes, is part of your being. You know, it's part of what you do. You don't realize you're doing it. Um, so in that situation, it is the right interior that has to go back to cover central midfielder position. So, um, yeah, that, that would have been a solution. But definitely... I would say never, never, regardless of who you're facing at Barcelona, never go away from who you are and what you do because that if it's not your game, they're going to beat you at it. So we need to be consistent. We need to be pressuring further at the pitch with much more self-belief and we need to convince the rivals that we are there to win the game. Um, we are, if we are our best, we're pretty much unstoppable and that's what we need to do. And that brings up when we talk about philosophy, one of the things that Barcelona recently have been dealing with and why people have been so opposed to the signing of Andre Gomez from a year ago that Barcelona seemed to be bringing in players that don't fit the DNA or don't fit the philosophy that the club is trying or that its fans would like to see them play. And so when you're bringing in different types of players and those players don't fit the mold, you're really just trying to jam a square peg into a round hole. And that brings us right into topic two, Frances, almost a perfect transition that Barcelona, of course, have a new signing. And Kool-Aids have done their research. They know coming in from China, a 29-year-old defensive midfielder, that nine goals, two assists for his Chinese club in the Super League. Of course, he was at Tottenham in the EPL for a little bit. And Barcelona had looked at him previously in 2013. But when he signed for Tottenham for $20 million, then he took the big money offer to go to China for $14 mil after he had fallen out of favor at Tottenham. Now he's back to Barcelona for 40 million euro. And before we talk about what this means for other players on the club, for the squad as a whole, I want to try to be positive with this signing and look at it from a footballing sense and ask, what does Paulino bring to the club and what does he do differently? So taking in mind what we just talked about with the counterattack of Real Madrid being a dangerous thing and what needs to happen, he's the kind of guy who has the athleticism to make up those spaces and be mobile, as you said, and cut down those angles because he is more of a traditional box-to-box midfielder that Barcelona don't necessarily have a single guy like him on the roster. So that's what Paulinho, on paper, adds to your club. 
He's not going to add scoring. He's not going to add assist. But he has a tenacity and a bite that Barcelona are seemingly missing at times, and particularly in this game against Real Madrid. Now, Paulino's being brought up, brought in not necessarily to be the starter, but to be the backup behind Sergio Busquets. And that's where, from a footballing sense, it becomes a problem because he'll come in and try to close out a game, but he's not necessarily an answer. When they went down 2-1 to Real Madrid, you don't bring Paulinho off the bench to help your attack, to help anything that they're trying to do moving forward. You bring Paulinho into a game when you're up 1-0 in the 80th minute and you need to close out a game. That's what he is. He's a box-to-box midfielder with a lot of tenacity. and can cut it out, add that grit, add that bite. And so from a footballing sense, I can't possibly imagine him if Barcelona, as we talked about, want to play their 4-3-3 and play like Barcelona with the Barcelona DNA. I don't see how he is anything more than a glorified super sub and a 40 million euro that's starter money. And as you and I talk about, it, I'll, I'll transition you right into, I know the point, Frances, that really gets you mad that we had talked about it. Our starting 11 should be those big time Dembele's and Coutinho's and the guys that are brought in for major money who Barcelona can't be producing that many starting 11 for a top team in the world. But your bench needs to be cheaper and it needs to be from the academy. It needs to be former players that are on your books that don't cost 40 million euro. And that's what Paulinho did. And so that's why Kool-Aid's are just flabbergasted at the signing. Paulinho is the fourth most expensive player in our club's history, right? The fourth most expensive player behind Neymar, Ibrahimovic, and Suarez. Then you go Paulinho in number four. Um, Just that is the point I'm making, you know, before I even say anything else. Um, Paulinho can never be the fourth most expensive player in in our club. If, if that's what the market has become, is that, if that's what the board wants to achieve, is that, that's, honestly, words gave me, I, I, I don't even, I don't even know where to start. I mean, this, this signing makes absolutely no sense from any perspective. Um, I do understand that the board may be trying to add more muscle in the center, you know, they've, people that are trying to be positive about the signing are saying that, you know, in every team whenever you've got Messi's and Neymar's and all sorts and Iniesta's and that you need your Keita's and your Yaya Touré's but you know I don't even think Paulinho is at the level of Keita or Yaya Touré or Abidal as I've seen or some of the people mentioning as well um, I think it's a completely different league you know um, I, I have to be positive I have to understand that the board must have seen something in this in this signing um, there are rumors going around that um, Bartomeu may have some dodgy dealings going on with China and uh, opening private businesses in, in Guangzhou. Um, they, I have no evidence to, for that, so I'm just going to discard that straight away. But, you know, there, there's rumors going on in there. There's also rumors going that um, say that Nike need a quota of Brazilians in the team. Um, I've got no evidence for that one, so I'm also going to discard it. So I can only sort of talk about what I can see. And what I can see is a 29-year-old that is more expensive than Dani Alves ever was, that Abidal ever was, that Rakitic ever was, Schuster ever was, Ronaldinho, uh, Romario, Rivaldo. You know, you can talk about many players in history, but we paid more for Paulinho than we did for any of those greats. And uh, as you mentioned, I would say spending that sort of money on a player that, let's face it, is never going to start a game um, unless we're playing against a sort of minor team and Busquets is injured. It's... um, it's bonkers, you know, people are really annoyed. Um, I do understand that there's been a lot of promotion in social media and around the city of Barcelona as well to promote the Bodda Sansura 
2017.cat website. That is um, Agustin Benedito, who he himself says he's got enough signatures to start a vote on no confidence against the board on the 1st of September. And uh, support for Benedito has risen enormously uh, following all of this Paulinho situation and the board's inefficiency in terms of bringing new players. So I think we need to watch this space because um, things are sizzling in the Catalan capital. It's not only that Paulinho, as I had said first, is that he, from a footballing sense, doesn't make sense. Again, very few clubs and very few fans are going to get excited about a $40 million 29-year-old when you have in your team guys in their mid-20s like Sergio Roberto and guys in their early 20s like Sam Per, who, as I said, I was long-winded a few weeks ago when and Sam Per in limited time in the preseason had impressed me so much, particularly with his defensive abilities. I think in that El Clasico, we saw that it, maybe it was just that Busquets was just a step slow or whatever it was in the middle of the field, but Isco just seemingly had a ball on a string and was constantly turning and spinning and opening the field up and getting his body turned so that he was looking forward and attacking the Barcelona half. And Samper, in his limited time in the preseason, wasn't allowing those kind of things to happen. And of course, Samper wasn't playing against the likes of Isco and wasn't playing against that caliber, but I was still really impressed in what he could do. And who knows that in a year he can't move to that point. And now the bigger point is that Sergi Roberto has to be asking himself, well, this cuts into my minutes. So between Andre Gomez and myself and Rakitic, Iniesta, where do we all fit in all of this? And with Samper, he knows the answer now is clear cut is not at the club. And if you're Carlos Elena, of course, you're excited to be playing in the Segunda division. But Elena looked like he was good enough to get some games and some minutes with the first team as well and now those seemingly have all dried up so if you pay 40 million for a player it makes sense that that player is going to have to play you can't just pay 40 million and sit that player on the bench so if you're Roberto or Samper or if you're particularly the bigger issue is if you're anyone in the academy you know we we were criticizing Eric Garcia and Jordi Mbula who went to Monaco you're blaming those players for leaving but if you're an academy player and you look at What's just happened to Sergio Roberto or Sam Pere, who some of these players have been watching for 10 years since they were teenagers themselves? Well, what's the hope for me to make it? And I think that's the bigger issue for me, that it, it, Polino is so against the club philosophy and what the Kool-Aids would like to see from the club that it really is very difficult to defend the board in this situation as to why they made that signing. As much as we can try to make it make sense from a footballing sense, I, I just don't understand it in terms of club philosophy. I agree with you 1,000%, man. That, that's what it is. Um, the board has not followed the, what the philosophy of the club has to be. You know, it's not what it seems to be or it has been. That's the philosophy we have to have. You know, we have to... Um, we're very lucky to have La Masia producing so many talented players over the last, say, 10, 15, 20 years. And um, people are criticizing the academy and its coaches and even for not producing that sort of talent. But we may, we may be... You know, we may be having players like Samper, like um, Aleña, like Sergio Roberto coming through, and they may be as talented as greats of the past, but they just haven't been given a proper chance. You know, I think 40 million euros for a player, of course you have to make the player play. The player should be should be leading the team for that sort of money, but um, it's not going to happen because he just doesn't have the quality, which brings us back to the original point. Why did you decide to sign in in the first place? But I think 
if it's going to stop the progression of players in the academy and players that are already at first team level and, you know, through hard work for many years, um, having that chance at the first team to, to excel, it's just, it just goes against everything we've ever said that is great about Barca and, and what this board is doing is totally nonsensical, you know. I, I would have thought that if Bartomeu has ever checked Twitter or gone into any newspapers or spoken to anybody outside his family and the board, he would know that this is a really unpopular signing in the city of Catalonia, in the city of Barcelona and the whole of Catalonia because it just makes no sense from a sporting perspective and it really is what I said in the previous podcast, it's a tapon, it's a, it's a ceiling for La Masia players that are going to see no future in the club and are going to start having no option but to leave at an early age. And when that happens, and if that happens, and to be honest, it's understandable, if it does actually happen, players are going to start leaving us at 17 for free and then the whole stream of revenue and, and growth and sort of future planning is going to be stopped right at that moment. And that is something that we just cannot accept that it happens. So something needs to be done. Um, I don't know if uh, Benedito coming on the 1st of September is the answer. Um, and I'm not going to comment on that because I really, honestly, <laughs> it wasn't a rhetorical question. I actually don't know if that's the answer. I'm not convinced at all. Um, I would have thought the best thing to do is to let the season be and then decide against next summer. But, you know, um, sometimes reality is quicker than thought. So we, we just have to wait and see what happens with that one. But um, the feeling from the Kulev fan base is, is of disheartening, to be honest. Well, we have four fan questions today, and all four of our fan questions are directly tied into the two topics we've talked about today, and we've got some good ones as well. Our Satio Barca asks us on Twitter, can we simply say Paulina will be the next song, and that being Alex Song, who was signed from Arsenal? We bought Song for vision and strength in the midfield. In return, we got a real waste of money is what Arsacio Barca said. And we appreciate that question. And it was a pretty good one. It was, it was a good idea that was put in our head that, you know, Paulinho was added, again, from a footballing sense, to add this bite and guile that Barcelona apparently are lacking. And Alex Song was brought for the same reason. And because he didn't fit the club's DNA, he just was slow on the passing and just never understood where he needed to be to help the attack. And even defensively, seemingly, was a step slow because he didn't know where he needed to be there. If Paulino doesn't adapt, and Alex Song was in his mid-20s, Paulino is almost 30. So Paulino has much less time to change his game. And to ask a 30-year-old to change their game is a lot harder than asking someone in their early mid-20s. So Paulino very well could be a much more expensive, even more disastrous Alex Song. I don't have a crystal ball, so I don't have the actual answer. And we just have to sort of let time go by and then decide at the end of the season where Paulino has has been and, and whether or not um, he was the right choice. Um, right now, I would have thought that Song's situation and Paulinho's situations are very similar. Um, let's not forget that Song came to us from Arsenal, that are a team that play very similar to us, um, also with an attacking philosophy. And um, he was quite successful there. He wasn't starting every game, though, but uh, we still signed him. With Paulinho, he comes from China, man. Like So I don't, I don't really... I, I cannot even understand, but he's coming from the Chinese league. Fair enough, he's playing uh, for the Brazilian national team as well, and hopefully that is a way in uh, and a similarity with the way that we understand football. But um, we just have to give him time to to prove what he can do. Um, there's a lot of question marks. Um, we don't really know if Valverde, as has been rumored, was the one pushing for the signing. Uh, we don't really know if he if it is a signing that was imposed on him. 
Uh, we've got different people saying different things. We don't know for sure, and I doubt we ever will, but at this moment in time, all we can do is wait and see what happens. I would say as hard as it is, and, you know, as I said, it is disheartening to be in this situation, but we need to try and differentiate the disappointment we currently have with the board to the player itself, you know, because the player has been working all, all his life in order to to succeed at football. And signing for Barca is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity that he's taken. So it, in a way, it's not Paulinho's fault that he's here. In fact, he's worked really hard to be here. So let's just let's just give it time and see where we are. But, um, you know, the early preparations and the prequel of this signing um, has failure written all over it. But I really do hope that we are all wrong and he keeps us all quiet in the near future. Yeah, you're right 100% that Paulinho, the player, I do hope he succeeds. Obviously, we want our club to be as good as it can be. And so he has to succeed for that to happen. If you spend $40 million on a player, he has to succeed. So if, if Barcelona and particularly Ernesto Valverde can get out of Paulinho what you see from Brazil, and particularly in certain games against Argentina and Uruguay, and some of the best in South America, some of the best performers that he plays against on an international level, if you can see that Paulinho, then Barcelona have gotten a signing that could be worth $40 million. It's just the track record and the fact that he's an older player make his leash much, much shorter. I mean, I, I mean, I compare it not only to Alex Song, but the amount of time and patience that 24-year-old Andre Gomez was given, where Andre Gomez was given one season, a player who had played in the Liga and was not given any time to get used to the Barcelona system, and Kules are calling for him to be out the door. And so Paulinho, as positive as we would like to be, his leash is going to be, what, five, ten games before a committee is stricken about exactly what he has been as a signing. And so Paulinho, as much as we want him to succeed, and it is great, as you mentioned, it's really great for the players to realize their dreams and play for Barcelona, um, and we're happy for them as individuals. But from a results perspective, if he doesn't get results quickly, Paulinho is going to be in a whole lot of pressure from media, from fans, and probably from the board as well. Um, who will probably try to distance themselves from the signing. And that takes us into what Paulinho's signing also means from Hector Santos. We got also on Twitter, if Sergi Roberto is not guaranteed to start in the midfield, why not just sell him to Manchester United as rumored? And that brings up another idea that we have another week of shows, Frances, and Arda Turan and all those other players that we figured were going to be gone, Munir, El Haddadi, they're still hanging out. They're still practicing and training and at the camp no now it looks like a Sergio Roberto is the guy that people are coming for when the guys at Barcelona couldn't seem to find the time to offload are still hanging out as I said before I don't think Sergio Roberto should be the one to leave I think Sergio Roberto is a player that understands the Barca philosophy mechanisms he would die for our club you know he's someone that played out of position all of last year did a good enough job at right back um, and this season, he's chasing his dream of becoming a midfielder at Barca that can make a difference. Um, I think he's got a lot of potential, and understandably so. There's clubs at European levels, such as Chelsea and Ma the Manchester teams as well, that are looking at his 40 million euro release clause and thinking, well, that is someone worth betting on. That is someone that can play different positions in midfield. He can be a holding midfielder, he can play interior, and, uh, you know, in. in leagues such as the British Premier League, he would excel because of his vision and the fact that his passing is pretty much impeccable every single time. So it is normal 
that teams, uh, sort of major European teams, are looking at him as an as an option. And of course, Barca need to offload players. We've got with the signing of Paulinho, I think it goes up to twelve different midfielders that we've got. And um, let's face it, five or six of them are never really going to make the team. So the board has to, and this is adding to the to-do list again, they just have to find an exit for players that are not going to make a difference to the team because if we're going to spend 40 million in Paulinho, which we have, and in excess of 100 million for either Coutinho or Dembele or both, then the money needs to come from somewhere. Fair enough, the Neymar money is there. But, you know, blowing it all in a couple of players is not what I had in mind at all. And, and not giving enough time for La Masia graduates to excel at the team, that's something that I definitely never even crossed my mind. So Sergio Roberto Imaya should be the last one to leave if anyone was to leave. And in, for me, is uh, intransferible, which is not, not for sale. We've got two more fan questions, Frances, before we wrap this up, and we'll try to be a little quicker with these two. From Facebook, we got from Dean Rebazon. It's said that the current board hate the Cruyff model, which I don't necessarily know how true that is. And he, he asks, is the very one that brought success, is that true? Again, I'm not sure about that. But the other question he asks, and this is very negative, Frances, and I know where you're going to stand on this, but he says, and Messi's contract runs out next summer, as this board aren't leaving yet, is it time for Messi to maybe leave Barcelona if they're being ruined from the inside out? And I'll pivot a little bit from Dean's question. Of course, should Messi leave? No, Kule would ever want Messi to leave the club, of course. But as much as Messi has been a good soldier to the club, Frances, do you think you and I and Kule's would ever get to a point where we became so nihilistic about the club that we would want Messi to succeed elsewhere? No. <laughs> the answer is no. Um, Messi, me, Messi certainly is part of who we are. You know, I think Messi's face should be, you know, we should move that ball out of our logo and put Messi's face in it. That's how important he has been uh, in the last 10, 20 years for us even. You know, even before making the first team, he was important to, you know, in raising the profile of La Masia. So without a doubt, he needs to stay. Um, my understanding is that this summer, he has been, the board has been working hard to finalize in a renewal contract for him and um, as they do pretty much every year so that he, bec- he remains one of the best, the world's best paid player, uh, which, you know, now Neymar is at PSG may not be possible, but as close as possible as to the top of the world, that's where Messi belongs and, and he certainly earns his money on a daily basis. So without a doubt, he needs to stay. So hopefully that is finalized in the near future. Um, my understanding is that as soon as they came back from the USA tour, he would sign. That hasn't happened, maybe because the board were busy dealing with other bits and pieces. But um, I would expect that to be finalized in the near future. Um, is he ever going to leave? I think he will eventually leave. But um, hopefully that is when he's 38 years old and he returns to his beloved Argentina in order to you know, give something back to his or- country of origin. Because um, let's not forget he's an idol down there as well. And he's always said he wants to go back to our new old boys, which is the club that saw him that saw him start at the very early stages of his career um, before he moved to Barcelona um, in order to change the history of our club. So yeah, he's one of ours. He wants to stay. Hopefully the board can enhance sort of the quality of our squad so that it is a much better preposition for him to stay. And hopefully it will be a happy ending and we win lots of Champions League in years to come. 
And finally, our final fan question. I guess we're going to have to end it on a pretty negative note here. We had to get a question from James Coulet and wouldn't be the Barcelona podcast without one, Frances. And this week, James asked a number of questions. And the one we went with is, he says, to be fair, this is the most balanced and strongest Real Madrid I have ever seen. Are they in their golden era like we were with Pep? Frances, is that a begrudging yes? I think as, you know, as hated as Cristiano Ronaldo is and um, you and I, I think, purposely didn't speak about his holding of the jersey because, of course, we don't want to have this podcast go completely off the rails. But Ronaldo has tons of quality. He's a Ballon d'Or winner. He's one of the best players ever to play. He would probably be the best of his generation if not for the number 10 who plays for Barcelona. And Cristiano Ronaldo came off the bench yesterday, got a red card, even though he scored a goal, had a pretty insane and torrid time on the pitch in the limited time he was out there. But yet, whether it's Asensio or we haven't even seen Ceballos, but Tony Cruz, Luka Modric, and Gareth Bale, who is a quality player, yet you know seems to be an afterthought at times. And Real Madrid say, we have enough talent, we don't even need him. Um, and it's, it's Isco, Casemiro, um, Marcelo, one of the best left-backs probably ever to play at this point, Sergio Ramos. There's just so much talent on Real Madrid at this point that Having won back-to-back Champions Leagues for the first time ever, the answer, I think, could be a begrudging yes that Real Madrid, from top to bottom, just have talent that the rest, every other club in the world, cannot brag that they have, just from a player-to-player. So all I'm saying, not that Real Madrid as a team are better than Barcelona or Bayern Munich, I'm just saying in terms of squad depth, in terms of the 11 that Zidane has to pick from game to game, it looks like he can't go wrong. It just looks like they have such talent and so deep, and they're even filling in places on the bench with the academy, with teenagers, and Zidane seemingly can't get it wrong because every guy is going to come up in big moments. I mean, again, Asensio has been fantastic, and yet if you pick a starting 11 for Madrid, I don't see how Asensio gets in there when everyone is firing on all cylinders. So I think as begrudgingly as possible, I think... Real Madrid are having an era in their history that they're that they're going to look back at and say is one of our best. And so Barcelona have to make sure that while Real Madrid are having this renaissance and this great time of success, that they don't fall behind. Because as we talked about, the post-Cristiano Ronaldo years are going to be something that Real Madrid looks like they're set up for. And so while Barcelona are going to have a year or two or three more to worry about the post-Messi years, hopefully— that's going to be a time that Barcelona have to be going neck and neck with Real Madrid at that time, or it is going to, that will be the time when it won't necessarily be a golden era for Real Madrid, but it will be a very dark time for Barcelona. Let's hope no. Let's just hope that that doesn't happen. I would have thought that uh, the Barca board, whatever Barca board we have in a couple of years' time, or maybe this time next year, sort of sees that Real Madrid are currently doing Barca better than Barca are. They're signing young talent. Most of the time is Spanish-grown talent um, in order to replenish their, so we say, bench so that their bench has been rotated and can eventually push for the starting eleven. e.g. Isco. What Isco has done in the last year is remarkable. You know, he was never in the discussion for the starting eleven, and he ended up starting pretty much every important game last season. That is a model that Barca, through the Pep Guardiola years, sort of perfected and Real Madrid copied and now they're doing better than us. Um, I'd say Barca, the current squad, are a couple of signings away for being more than capable of um, challenging Madrid. Fair enough, they seem like a more solid team now, but I just don't think that Barca is that far 
um, behind Madrid at all. I think if we improve our pressing, we ensure that the ball flows much quicker um, throughout um, the say the the back line to the midfield to eventually whenever there's a gap to our forwards. Um, I think we are not really that far at all. You know, if Nelson Semedo can manage to adapt and uh, prove all the potential that he's shown in Portugal, that's a solution for a right-back position. The rest of the team, you know, they looked pretty tired yesterday, fair enough. And, you know, and you could say that Iniesta had of his, one of his poorest games in recent history. But when in form, our starting eleven is very strong. You know, we just need a winger in order to finalise and improve that position so that Messi doesn't necessarily have to face three or four different defenders every time he gets the ball. But I don't think we're that far at all. You know, Real Madrid are, in a way, the final finished product right now. They've got potential pushing through the ranks and, you know, well done to them for sort of preparing for the future. But I don't think we're that far at all. We can definitely push them on a one-to-one basis, say, if we meet in the Champions League, say, hopefully in the final or even the semifinals. And uh, in the league, it's all going to be about how well our bench performs whenever they rotate it. So while I understand Madrid are a little bit of a step ahead right now, it's only August. We've had a new coach with plenty of new ideas, um, plenty of personality to share and um, to, to be more convincing in order to motivate his players. And if we can sign those two players that I just mentioned, we should be fine. As cynical as I might have seemed, Frances, um, I agree with you about... This being a, a not only a pivotal moment, but this being a time in Barcelona isn't far behind Real Madrid. And you noticed how in just two or three years, Real Madrid were able to pick talent that was younger and Spanish talent in particular, and were seemingly able to create this gap. But from a talent perspective, as I said, right now, the league is anybody's game. The Champions League is anybody's game. Copa del Rey is anybody's game. So both clubs could have success this season. Um, as we said, Barcelona still have Messi and they still have plenty of talent. They still have PK and TD and Ter Stegen and everybody else, Jordi Alba. And so it's just the future that I worry about, of course. That's me. And I've gone on a number of times on our episodes and gone on about my fear of the future in the future. But as far as being present-minded, the good news and the most positive thing to say from all this is that while they did spend 40 million euro on Paulinho, the Barcelona board still have a whole lot of money from Neymar signing to use for the future. And if they do that in a positive way, I think they have all of the funds to make up that gap in a hurry, particularly if their scouting does well and they're able to find young gems and they're able to find the players who are part of that next generation. I mean, we don't know that Carlos Alenia could be better than any player that Real Madrid have brought in, but because he's two or three years younger, his peak might be even better. And we don't know that yet. And so just to be patient and to go back to just watching the games, watching the the matches, and, you know, that'll kind of wrap it up as we're going to continue to look forward to the rest of this season. And Barcelona already play on Wednesday in the second leg of that Super Cup. And while Sergio Busquets did say it was, you know, a black day and difficult for them to make it up, Anything is possible. So let's say Barcelona goes out on the road and wins 4 nothing. Now we've got an entirely different conversation and everything seems up and up and positive. And Frances, as we wrap it up, we'll be positive about some of the changes we've made. And you've got a few announcements for our listeners. Yeah, I just want to say thank you to all the listeners that have 
supported our podcast throughout the transfer window. Let's not forget that we started this podcast in the off season, which is always the time of the year in which, you know, let's face it, we're all on holiday or trying to be on holiday or forgetting about work in the best possible way we can. Um, I've got a couple of announcements to um, to share with our audience. Hopefully you are, you're all very excited with this. Um, we've got a website, um, it's thebarcelonapodcast.com um, that is all brand new and all our shows are going to be published in there. Um, all our you know subscription buttons and anything that we mention in terms of deals, in terms of discounts, in terms of things that we may feel that um, you may be interested in. Everything is on our website. It's thebarcelonapodcast.com. Um, the second announcement I want to make is that thanks to the feedback from a lot of you, particularly in our social channels in terms of Facebook and um, Twitter, this is huge for us. Um, we are very committed to bringing you the best possible news and the most up-to-date stories from the Camp Nou. Uh, we do know that because of your feedback, we do know that you enjoy the podcast and uh, we are thrilled to have you with us. Um, I would say coming to you twice a week with a fresh show on the Thursday will make a huge difference. Can I please, please, please get you to share it? You know, even if you just share it with one person, um, you can share it on any social media, send it by email. You can just, you know, go and hit your... F- <laughs> you can go and give a colleja, like we say in Spanish. You can go and hit or nudge one of your best friends and say, hey, listen to this podcast. They seem to know what they're talking about, which hopefully is why you're still listening. And um, that would be hugely appreciated. Please remember to share the show. We are committed to bringing you the best breaking news from the Camp Nou, and we want to continue to do that throughout the season. We can only do it if you support us. So thank you for still being listening, and uh, we'll see you on Thursday. Right before we go, we want to mention again, this show was brought to you by bettingtipsforyou.com. That's our show sponsor today. They're based in the UK, but it's simple to see what they bring. As I said, bettingtipsforyou.com. They also have different links for live streaming on their website as well. And this was a long one. This was a difficult one. The season has begun, though, and things are going to be positive from here, we hope, both Frances and I, as we thank you again for listening to the Barcelona Podcast, bringing you the hottest breaking stories from the Camp No. And until next time, we'll talk to you soon. And Forza Barca. Forza. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. 
That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.